0: right welcome i'm jamie rickard and i'm tracy sullivan and we are both real career coaches located right here on campus in the ccap office
1: and this is our first ever podcast Um, we both kind of decided that since we love podcasts so much and we find them consumable easy to listen to um, and i think when We look at more of a a teaching podcast in terms of just topics that we know are on students' minds. Um, We thought if we had something easy to listen to, you might feel like you did something for yourself today just by listening.
0: I couldn't agree more. And we're fun. (laughs) I think so, too. Yeah. So we can make career and job search fun versus having to listen to a boring podcast. Right. Or luxury. You guys get enough of that.
1: Um, so Tracy, I'd like to start just by you telling us and the listeners a little bit about your background and what brought you to Fisher.
0: Absolutely. So when I first went to college, I went to Brockport for my undergrad in psychology, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard this before. You can do a lot with a psych degree, Mm -hmm. except if you never take the time to figure it out. So I never went to my career office. I did get a little piece of paper that somebody was handing out because there was no internet back then um, that said here's all the stuff you can do with a psychology degree and it didn't actually say that it all required grad school so when I graduated I literally never did an internship I'd worked at Friendly's (laughs) the whole entire time I was in school and just had no idea what I wanted to do Basically, I spent the next five years just kind of going out and waitressing. Mm -hmm. Um, Bless my parents because they actually allowed me to do that for some reason. I would never let my kid do that. And then by the time I got a real job and realized that I hate this job and I need to figure out what I want to do with my life, I mean, it was probably six years after I graduated undergrad. Went back got my master's degree, wanted to get into school counseling, um, worked for a little while just doing temporary assignments, and then found myself engaged and needing a real job, well, a permanent job. And I ended up in workforce development, which was great because it really exposed me to a completely different world that I never knew existed. And what I found that I had really liked about school counseling was the career exploration, career coaching, um, helping people kind of figure out where they wanted to go, which is really what I did working for a one-stop career center, Um, except I got the opportunity to work with people from age 16 to I think the oldest customer I had was like 80-something. Wow. And then from there, I moved to Boston for a little while, worked in a community college, and then to Cleveland, and then circled back here and ended up at Fisher, which I'm loving because it gives me the opportunity to work with students for four years versus two. And that really appealed to me about this position. I think that the reason I got into this field was really because I felt like in high school and in college for that matter, I kind of fell middle of the road and those people got ignored. Like it was all about like the smartest AP kids, what college are you going to? And then the kids that were struggling, like making sure they made it out of high school. So for people that were kind of like just moving along, it was like, okay, fill out a SUNY application, MCC's your backup and get out of my office. And I hated that, I absolutely hated that. So I wanted to capture everybody and make sure that people that weren't having the questions asked to them had somebody to ask those questions. Yeah, that's great. Um, So what about you, how'd you end up here? Well,
1: same, you know, it's a, it was definitely a zigzag for sure. Um, I went to Binghamton University for my undergrad, which I always tell students my major changed five times. I thought coming into (laughs) college that I wanted to be a geology major just because I did well in the earth science regions, which was a joke in itself, because we all know that you can be good at something, but not love it so much that it could be your job.
0: I wouldn't know. (laughs) Not about earth science.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. But I went from earth science to political science, to English, to psychology. And then, um, you know, it really kind of did it for me is that I recognized every time that I looked to register for courses, all of the classes in a major called human development were like speaking to me. It was really counseling-based and focused more on social implications on behavior versus more of that science cognitive stuff that I saw in our psychology program at Binghamton. So I switched my major junior year, never looked back. I did do a couple of internships, so I also thought school counseling was going to be um, my pursuit, and I ended up not loving it. Um, I didn't really necessarily think scheduling and making schedules for students was what i wanted and so i ended up uh thinking about more of the higher ed pathway and uh that was definitely in my mind uh, but then i switched gears again uh, and i ended up enrolling in the social work master's program at binghamton thinking that I really wanted to do, like, private counseling someday. But then I recognized fairly quickly that that was not the right journey for me. Um, I was working in the Addiction Crisis Center in downtown Binghamton. Um, it was a, a, a difficult internship at the time, and I realized my my emotions were coming home with me. It made me very sad. And so I think uh, I knew I wanted to help people in some way, and and higher ed really had had been such a, a big part of my undergrad experience. I was working in college offices on campuses. I worked in undergrad admissions as a tour guide. And I also worked with the alumni office on my campus. And I really loved the just being in the vibrancy of a college community. So um, my first job out of college was actually in Westchester County down near New York City. So I worked for Uh, SUNY Purchase, uh, where I was their out-of-state recruiter, so I would travel to all the high schools in New Jersey, Connecticut, Texas, um, and kind of made my pathway uh, recruiting. Uh, But kind of like you, with not feeling like you were able to establish relationships with students, I was experiencing that in a very similar way, where you get them to come to your campus, but you really don't get to have anything to do with them after that time frame is over. And so I was kind of feeling this lag. And so I actually made a pivot into private recruiting in New York City uh, for three years working in the financial industry, which made absolutely no sense if you think about um, (laughs) going from higher ed and having a master's degree into uh, private financial work. Um, But I really loved that experience because I was still working with entry-level career seekers and um, interns that were converting to full-time positions. And I liked that. But I knew I couldn't really coach the people that maybe I saw struggling in an interview. There's nothing I could do. I had to move on. I had to get my quota for, you know, whatever that training period was. And so that's really what inspired me to look back at higher ed, but go to career services. And that's when I ended up at Cornell University in the ILR school. I did that for four years, and then I went to the law school. Uh, for the next just about three years before I came to Fisher. Um, Again, all of those were in career services. Um, And I would have to say much like you, being able to support students at Fisher throughout a four-year period, but also for a variety of different majors. I mean, I had been very specialized at Cornell, so I only worked with a specific major and or degree path, both uh, positions. And this opportunity gives me a chance to work with students here who are coming from every different major. So I really love that. And I, and I think that makes
0: it fun. I agree. I think it's fun to be able to not listen to the same thing every day. Yeah. And be able to talk to people. And just like we were talking now and we have our own path and, you know, where we thought we were going to end up when we were 22 years old is certainly not where we are No, <laughs> um, And we know that, you know, all of you students listening might not be ready to come in and see us or schedule an appointment, but that's part of the reason why we want to do this podcast is just to get information out there and hopefully at some point you will kind of be inspired to schedule that appointment. A lot of people think like there has to be a reason, like I have to know exactly what I want to do, I have to come in and know like what field to get in if I'm thinking about an internship, and that's not the case at all. In fact, the less set you are on a path, the more of a reason to come and meet with us. And what I take away just listening to you and kind of like listening to myself in my head is really... The experience piece is so huge because you don't know what you like until you actually do something. And you don't know what you don't like until you do something. And that's kind of like what motivated me is I was working as like a dispatcher and I hated it. So that forced me to kind of think about it. So hopefully listening to us will motivate you to possibly make an appointment. What we would like to kind of talk about today in the spirit of networking November is networking, which is something that I absolutely hate doing as an introvert. (laughs) Always have. I'm definitely better at it now than I was even five years ago, but it's kind of like when you hear about a presentation that you have to do in front of class. I just want to shrink in my seat. So, Jane, what is networking to you? I, even as an extrovert, I'd probably say the same thing, that
1: networking feels very uh, uncomfortable. And so I would go back to how I felt about networking before, and my definition would have been, it's asking for a job. That's what I thought it was. And I think networking to me now is really about establishing connections with people who don't even have to be necessarily within a field that you're pursuing but could be just great connectors for you but i also think networking is a two-way street you know we we don't want to go into it feeling like we're asking for a job but we could be having conversations that help us much like you were saying where you did an experience and you realized it wasn't for you Networking can be very similar. It doesn't even have to require you going out and physically doing something, but to have a conversation with someone, have them explain about their own experience and what a typical day in their life is like. If you're hearing these things and you're more inspired and more invigorated by a career path, that is a great sign that you're, you're going the right direction versus them telling you, uh, this is my typical day. And you're like, oh no, like that's definitely not something I'd want to pursue. And it, it doesn't mean, you know, anything against that pathway. It's just, it's really, really an insightful experience. So, um, that really is what networking is to me anyway. What do you think?
0: I agree. I agree. It's all about connections and it's reciprocity. So I think what deters people is feeling like you're asking for a job. like Please hire me. Please get me a job. And that is not what networking is at all. It is really just about making connections and giving back at some point so you might talk to somebody and they might refer you to somebody that they know professionally and then a year or two later that person might come back and say can you speak with my son or my daughter or Mm -hmm. my nephew um, about your kind of path and that's really how networking works out i like to refer to it kind of in even though finance isn't my strong suit either, but um, like a 401k, networking is all about return on investment, which is where LinkedIn comes in. And I think a lot of students kind of don't see the value of LinkedIn right now when really now is the time you should be on it, making connections, connecting with everybody. Organizations, faculty, staff, you know, people that you meet in employer information sessions. Your family, believe it or not. Yeah, friends. (laughs) People you meet at the grocery store when you're waiting in line and you're Mm -hmm. frustrated that you should have got in that other line.
1: Exactly. Yeah, LinkedIn is incredibly important. I think most employers will do some sort of search uh, a lot of times when they're looking at students. And so if you are in an active application process, um, you'll often and find an employer just looking to see if you have a professional presence online. And I think that is one really important aspect of having an account. Uh, But it just gives you a a leg up when you're thinking about industry news. The jobs that are on that platform are specifically, like, with the algorithm are given to you uh, that align most with what you're hoping to pursue. Uh, And so I think that in and of itself is just a nice way to just start your process of getting more context on it that way when you do look at jobs it says right on there if you have a connection to that position you're going to see that right away versus not knowing and applying to a position without any knowledge if you have a connection
0: yes linkedin is full of not just the personal connections but also labor market information sure And then if there's a particular company that you want to work for, you should start following them and any company that you're applying for. Now, one of the great services that we have here, which is, in my opinion, like the easiest way to make a connection, to build your LinkedIn connections, is actually Cardinal Connections. It's accessible from your Fisher dashboard. It's that CC and really what it is, is I, I always refer to it when I do presentations as like LinkedIn for Fisher, mm-hmm. um, but it's alumni from every walk of life that wants to give back to students. So they want you to reach out to them.
1: Yeah, they've specifically signed up with the intention of providing support in a variety of different areas. Uh, and that's not just for um, current students, but when you become an alum, that's the same concept. So it's alum to alum and it's alum to student.
0: It's the easiest ask. You can reach out directly from there via email and you know just ask for a few minutes of their time. A lot of the time what you'll see is they're there for general advice and networking, but you can also ask them for a resume review. Um, some people do mock interviews. That's a great way to kind of establish that relationship and then connect with them via LinkedIn. Another challenging aspect is just starting like conversation starters, you know, like how do I go up to a complete stranger? How do I, you know, join this group if I'm at a networking event? How do I even like exit a conversation? Like, okay, I've talked to this person enough. Now I need to back up so what would you recommend
1: well i think you know with talking about linkedin and cardinal connections first i mean those are fairly light low lift if you're going to message someone the worst they can say is nothing right and so i think with the online presence we're we're giving ourselves a little bit of that a lack of rejection <laughs> but when you're in person you're right it can feel a little bit more awkward because If you are trying to talk to somebody that you don't know, for example, but you know that they're maybe working for an organization that you have an interest in, or maybe you're at an official networking event, you know, those types of interactions can be very difficult. And certainly if you're not the type of person that feels extremely outgoing or that you can put yourself out there in that way, I understand that stress factor. Uh, And even as an extrovert, I find that very difficult as well. And I remember early career, if I would be at a networking event and I would see like a group of people talking, what I try to do is walk up and You know, not being creepy about it, but you're standing (laughs) kind of near the group as they're talking, and you're trying to find a way to listen first. You don't want to jump into a conversation right away, but you want to be listening to some of the things they're talking about. And even something, you know, as simple as they talked about the football game yesterday, or they talked about their dogs— you you can enter that conversation without feeling like it has to just be about business. Um, And sometimes that can be a nice way to enter the conversation. Or if they mentioned something about their work, uh, and you're really interested in learning more, maybe they say something and you mention, wow, that's really fascinating. I'd like to learn more about that. And as they continue talking, now you're involved in the conversation just because you asked a simple question about you know, what's their day-to-day life a- at their job or what is their service that they're providing to other you know, customers or clients and try to see where you can add into that. I think you asked that question about how to leave the conversation though. Yeah. <laughs> what um, do you think?
0: Well, so I have to be prepared. We were talking about that earlier where I don't like improv very well. So (laughs) anytime I go into those situations, I kind of have a couple of things in mind. And one is just kind of excusing yourself, whether it's to see somebody else, go to the restroom, you know, grab some food. But you always want to make sure that you're thanking the person for their time. You can always present it as... I really appreciate everything you shared. I look forward to connecting with you on LinkedIn. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Right. Um, And then you can just exit gracefully. In terms of like group conversations, you know, just being able to kind of make eye contact with somebody and say thank you so much. And you know, I'll connect with you on LinkedIn. You always want to leave with that connection. Right, So follow-up. Yeah, so then you can turn around and message them on LinkedIn, you know, remind them where you met them, thank them for their time, something that they might have said that really stood out to you, and then kind of continue that relationship. Yeah. And LinkedIn, that's what a lot of people don't realize is LinkedIn is a relationship builder without having to actually be in a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So you're connected, but you're posting things, you're liking things, you're commenting. And that way, that person is always remembering you. So when the time comes that you are asking, you know, not for a job, but, you know, I call it airtime, advice, information, or a recommendation, right? then they know who you are
1: versus
0: like you never connected with them and five years later... You know, one of your former students is like, Oh, Jamie, can you introduce me to Tracy? (laughs) I know she worked in workforce development. And you're like, I don't even know who you are. Right. Um, So that's the important thing to remember with all of that and with, you know, networking in general. So as we wrap this topic up, let's talk about some networking fails. Like, what are some things you would recommend avoiding?
1: Well, I mean, first I would I would make sure to reiterate the point of if, if you want to follow up with someone, it's really important that, to your point, you get the name. And sometimes that can be really difficult if you're at a large event and you've met with a lot of people. I know it might feel a little outdated, but trying to ask for even a business card, uh, because if you don't ask for that, the likelihood of you remembering that person's name is pretty slim. <laughs> so if you have the business card, maybe you could even jot something down on the back about something that you mentioned in your conversation. Uh, because to your point, if you're reaching out, but you have no sort of distinguishing characteristic about why you're reconnecting, maybe they don't remember you from the event. So if you could talk about just something, um, I would recommend it down because otherwise it is a fail. If you're trying to reach out and they have no context or or anything about what you discussed, I would probably say just avoid like hot button issues. You know, politics, religion, anything that could kind of become murky. Um, so I just want to make sure that you know we're we're staying around the topic of career, around the topic of just really thinking about why it is you're trying to get to know this person about their pathway and their typical day in the life, things like that. And as we mentioned that, noticing where you're at in the conversation. So if you feel their body language is, is showing, I need to leave, uh, don't overstay your welcome, right? So if you Definitely. can see that they're kind of pivoting away from you, say, thank you so much for your time. If you have a business card, I'd be sure to follow up. So you're just paying attention to body language. I would do that. Oh.
0: That's all great. I um, would also add in, like, don't overindulge if Mm -hmm. you're at, you know, an event that has alcohol or food. Definitely don't drink too much. Like, one to two drinks, depending on your tolerance. (laughs) Obviously, be 21. Um, And never ask for a job. We kind of already covered that. That's not what networking is about. But really be authentic. Be yourself. Don't try to be... The person you think that they're looking for, because really, they just want to get to know you. And I think that that's really the key. Absolutely. So now we're going to go into our game time, which this is actually Jamie and my favorite part of any <laughs> podcast is when they have a game. We love um, games. Yeah. We're going to try and do a different game. Ideally, we'll be doing future podcasts, too, if you guys like us. Yes. (laughs) Um, But today, we're going to do Would You Rather. Uh, So, and this is obviously all work-related. So, would you rather work in a state-of-the-art office where you have to dress up every day or a rundown place where you can wear your PJs to work?
1: See, you and I have talked about this. We have. And I have thought about it because... I love an elastic waist, uh, but I think I would pick the state-of-the-art office just because amenities are a lovely thing to have. And if you have a gym, if you have a kitchen, if you have uh, some places I have video games, like you can have a really cool office. And I guess I wouldn't mind wearing the dress
0: pants for that. <laughs> um, I'll second that as long as I can pick the amenities. You know, I really want one of those pods where I can take a little nap on lunch, Um I've worked in both places, and I mean, not that I could wear my PJs to work, but right. just more casual. You know, sometimes at the end of the day, it's really about the people you work with. Totally. Would you rather work one day a week at the most miserable job you can think of, or six days a week at your dream job?
1: You know, I love a one day work week, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'd, i But I think. Again, doing what you, you're passionate about or what you love is may not feel like work, so I'd probably pick the six days a week at my dream job
0: in that one. How about you? The same, because I can think of a lot of miserable things that make me want to gag as we're sitting here. <laughs> so I'm going to opt for my dream job. And really, if you're doing what you love, then you'll never have to work a day in your life, right? I've heard that before. <laughs> All right, last one. Would you rather have... Michael Scott or Ron Swanson as your boss?
1: Um, another one we've talked about. And I said, I think for me, because I like autonomy and Ron Swanson is just so much the leave me alone kind of, boss. I'd probably have to say Ron, but Michael is certainly funny.
0: <laughs> Michael Gary Scott is my spirit animal. So I would undoubtedly pick him only because... I mean, it would make for an interesting work environment every day. It sure would. (laughs) Well, we wanted to thank everyone for
1: listening today. We are available to follow on Instagram. So at Fisher CCAP, where we post tips, we post event information. You can also connect with both Tracy and I on LinkedIn. You know, we'd love to hear from you just about questions, feedback. We can be emailed right at ccap at sjf.edu and of course uh this is really just an intro to networking and certainly any topic we go over is just the surface level so we encourage you to schedule an appointment with us you can do that right on handshake but thanks for listening we are the real career
0: coaches of fisher here for your career so
1: don't forget us thank you bye
0: bye